Hi, everyone. I'm Doug. I have a really important idea to share with you this morning, but before we do any of that, how are you? It's me, Doug. How you doing? Good? I know we can't really answer that, but I hope you've been well. If you've been here for more than a couple years, you know that I used to work here. I used to be the high school pastor, um, and it was my blessing to be up here every once in a while. I'm just wondering, how have you been? I've been well. This feels, it gets to be one-sided, but um, I really have missed being with you and being up here. I've been busy. Jesse, my wife, and I started a nonprofit, like Robert said, called Uniquely Knitted. We serve people who are struggling with infertility, and it's been such a an important season of our life as we pour into people who are at fertility clinics, going through the pain and the pressure and the, all that goes along with the trauma of struggling to get pregnant. We run uh, support groups for them. So we spend our weeks crying with people and processing and connecting and helping create friendships and connections. <clears throat> so I thought this morning we would talk about friendship and connection here at Calvary. Um, Today, I have three things that I want to talk to you about. You could think of it kind of like a beginning, a middle, <clears throat> and an end. <clears throat> the first thing I want to do, though, is ask you an important question. And the question is this, how do we grow as people? How do we grow as people? I want you to think about it. It's not just a rhetorical question. How do you grow? You ever thought about growing before? Maybe you got a job. Maybe this has happened to you. I know it's happened to me. And in the interview, they ask you, uh, at this job, we need you to be proficient in Adobe, and you need to know your way around Excel. And of course, you have to really be a master at Outlook. And you sit there going, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. My last job, I was all over that. And then you race home to Google and YouTube how to make a pivot table in Excel, you know? Has anyone ever made a pivot table? No? Yes, okay, terrifying, right? But you, you're like, uh, you look it up, and you're like, ah, don't know what to do. Or maybe you, uh, maybe you like to golf, and you have no idea, what do I do? How do I golf, right? You want to grow. For me, I just would want to hit it anywhere in front of me, right? How do you hit it that way, not anywhere else, right? Or maybe, like, if you're like me, every couple years you just realize you have a horrible morning routine. I don't know if that's the thing, right? Like, I have no idea how to wake up in the morning. That's where I'm at as a human being. Do I just wait till I'm anxious and stressed out and get up and just race through the day? Do I do a ritual? What do I do? How do you actually grow? What's the process of going from point A to point B? I want to be a growing person. I'm giving you an intentional moment to actually think what you would say if we were at coffee. How do you grow? Maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe it's as simple as, well, what do you want to grow in? Maybe you educate yourself on how people do that thing and then practice it a ton. You know, maybe you YouTube how to make a pivot table. Maybe you go to the internet and say, internet, how do I hit the golf ball in front of me? And you, you watch people do it, and then you go to a place that has a bunch of mats, and then they let you practice hitting the golf ball a billion times, right? Maybe you think, okay, maybe I'll, I'll buy a book on the 10 best morning routines for busy moms or uh, the best morning routine for a college student in Oregon. I have no idea what you would find, but 
Maybe there's a new habit. You research, and then you practice. Okay, Monday morning, I'm going to get up at 5, and then poof, poof, I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> I've tried that one. It doesn't work. Um, uh, but as you think about growing in that way, we love that kind of growth. It really does work for us. What do you want to grow in? Learn about that thing, and then practice it a ton. We love that type of growth because it's so individual. Anyone can do it. You can grow starting today. Just what do you want to grow in? Go research. There's probably a book that you can go buy. There's definitely a YouTube video you could watch. Watch it. Start practicing. That type of growth fits our individualistic lifestyle. I want to get better at this. So you really hone down. You learn. And you practice and practice and practice. Second question for you. What about something like kindness? Or what about something like compassion? Or maybe even love? How do you grow in kindness? How do you grow in compassion? How do you grow in these things when we love the individualistic growth? Where's the book I can read? Maybe you buy a book, The Ten Kindest People, and you read the book and you think, great, now I can be kind. How do you practice it? The reality is this. The most important things we can grow in have to do with the way that we relate to people. So you can only learn them in relation with other people. Think about that. The most important things that we can grow in as people have to do with the way that we relate to people. So if you're going to learn about them and if you're going to grow in them, you can only grow in them when you're in relation with someone else. There's logic happening here. Follow it. People help us be more fully human. What would be better, to have a wonderful golf swing or to be kind to people? I know, hopefully that's an easy one. Sometimes I, you know, what would be better, to have a great morning routine or to be able to be compassionate to people? It's easy to think. If maybe we gave, I gave you a bunch of pleasures, okay? Maybe you have a great job. You have a house that's just, boom, in perfect condition. The countertops are whatever you like your countertops to be. The, the garage is good. You have, you have a, a fun weekends planned. You have a boat. How exciting would that be, right? There's a boat in your driveway and everything is going great. But you know what? No one is kind to you and you don't know how to be kind to anyone else. And there's love missing from your life. Would that be a life that you would want? You don't know how to relate to people. You can't be generous. You can't be just. If I took those away from you but gave you all those pleasures, would that be the life that you want? I mean, that's easy. No, right? No. We would never want that. So we have to grow in these virtues. Kindness, compassion, generosity, loving. To grow in those, though, we need other people. Just think about for a second. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. Kindness, generosity, gentleness. Could you do those by yourself? If I plucked you up and I put you in a room completely by yourself and I said, practice generosity. I'm sure you could maybe tell me the story about how you're generous to yourself. But in reality, we need other people to do these things. So when Christ tells us to be more like him, 
the Apostle Paul tells us to be growing in every way more like Christ, he's telling us to be more loving, to be more kind, to be more generous, to grow in these fruits of the Spirit. How do we grow in these fruits of the Spirit without other people? You can't do them by yourself. Are you tracking? Does that make sense? Do you see how we got there? So if people help us live into the higher virtues of what it means to be a person, then we need to be seriously concerned with the way that we're connected to people. Yes? That leads us to our wisdom for the day. That leads Solomon to write, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you see how he got there? Do you see how we got there? You think, oh, how do we sharpen each other? How do we change each other? It's as iron sharpens iron. The wisdom of Proverbs 27, 17 teaches us this, that growth is relational. Growth is relational. When we connect and attach to one another, we grow because to connect and attach, we must learn and practice the higher virtues of our being, which is the only way to grow in them. Does that make sense? Yeah? Do you see how we got there? Iron sharpens iron because iron transforms iron. That moment of contact is the moment of change. To just think about, when you think about iron sharpening iron, you're probably, I know what you're thinking, you're thinking the, um, like a chef with a knife, right? That thing, I don't know what that thing's called. The little pole, am I alone in this? The little pole, and you sharpen, and they do the thing. I have no idea what's happening there, but something, you think it's getting sharpened, right? In reality, ironing, sharpening iron, when this was read, was about making something, right? Hammer, crashing into something, forming something. So if we think, oh, that's the same way that we transform one another. That's the same way that we grow as people is that, that moment of transformation, that crashing into each other. That crashing into is connection, is attaching to one another. It's scary. It's difficult. But that coming together, that connecting is the ways in which we change. And just to remind you, the reason why it changes us is because it's the medium, the vehicle in which we can practice these things that are of higher virtue. Love is hard to practice if you have no one to love. Gentleness is hard to practice when there's no one to be gentle to. Generosity is very difficult to practice when there's no one to be generous to. So we must come into contact with one another crash into each other so that in those moments we can develop, practice, educate, try, and learn how to be more like Christ and exercise these virtues. I believe you, you're following, yes? How are we doing? Okay? Okay. If growth is relational and the wisdom of ironing, sharpening iron is that growth is relational, we should be able to be seeing this throughout the scriptures, right? It should be obvious. It shouldn't be like tucked away in one tiny verse in Proverbs. This should be something that is clearly seen. It is. You don't have to flip there, but just let me take you a little bit of a tour, right? In Proverbs 4, we get a perfect picture 
of the way that growth is relational. What is Proverbs in the beginning? I think, I think, I think it was Eric who told us that. Matt told us this. Let's see if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Proverbs in the beginning is all about what? A father telling a son, a parent to child educating, right? This parent is educating the child. It says this in Proverbs 4, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning that you do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender, cherished by my mother, Then he taught me. He said to me, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commandments and you will live. What's happening in the beginning of Proverbs? The picture. It's the picture of a father standing and a child sitting at his feet and saying, teach me, instruct me. And the child is saying, I too, the father is saying, I too was once like you. I was young, sitting at my father's feet, wondering how do I live, right? Yes, it's instruction. But what is the medium, the vehicle, the moment in which it's surrounded with. Connection. Connection. A parent-to-child attachment, right? We are connected to these people. And in those moments, that's where we learn wisdom. That's where we learn how to be gentle, how to be kind, how to be intentional with who we are as people. So it's all throughout Proverbs. Proverbs is about connecting to someone so that you can pass on what it means to live Furthermore, right, Jesus gives us a beautiful picture. Jesus says this in John 15, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, you want to know a picture of what it's like to be in me and to grow? Think about vines and branches. Is there a greater picture of what it means to be connected and attached to something? Jesus isn't saying, you're like an oak tree over here. I'm like an oak tree over here. We'll just kind of hang out in the same forest. He says, no, I'm a vine. If you want to be a part of me, you are directly attached to me. For, like So much so that if you're separated from me, then we're detached. It's only in me that you will have love. Only in me. So Jesus is saying, let me be your primary connection. If you want to learn how to be more like me, be connected to me. Be connected to me. Jesus goes on to even say to his own followers, after giving so much of himself to them, he says, I call you friend. To the point that when we think about Jesus, we can think of Jesus as a friend. That same level of connection. Friendship isn't something that's just awarded to them because they followed him around a bunch. I'm sure Jesus had plenty of people who followed him around, thought he was interesting. But it's the people who connected to him, who gave of themselves, all of themselves, to follow him. Those are the ones that he says, we are connected, we are friends. Okay, and then here's my most favorite thought about connection. You ready for it? John 17. This one you could actually turn to. John 17, 20. It's really interesting. John 17, 20 says this. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. That's Jesus praying to the Father, right? So he's saying, 
just as you and I are one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Okay, have you ever thought about what's happening here? If growth is relational, his followers have gotten to a point where they've connected with him too, so much so that, that they are called friends of Jesus. And he's praying for them as his life is coming to an end on the cross. And he's saying, Jesus, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one so that everyone will believe in me through them. Let me break it down what's happening. They will be one. Jesus is saying this, that the connection of the followers is paramount to what it means to be a Christian. Jesus isn't saying, I pray that they go out and they have just great lives, right? And just all of their ventures come true. And that, you know, that Peter's fishing business finally takes off and he stops trying to stab people. And it just, I hope that they do great, right? And they have a great time. Now he says, I pray that the community that I've created remains and becomes even more one than it already is. So I pray that they will be one. Jesus also goes on to say that they will be one just as you and I are one. Jesus goes to be with the Father, that the Father is in him and he is in the Father, so that the heavenly experience that we are aiming for as Christians is the oneness experienced between Jesus and the Father, that that's as it is in heaven, Jesus and the Father being one. So that, and he says, so that the world will be, maybe, maybe leaving all of this, that when the people see them being one, and then we are all one together, the world would say, that's different. There's a connection there. There's, a, there's, there's things happening in that connection that are important. There's kindness. There's love. There's self-sacrifice. There's generosity. There's compassion. What's going on with this relationship? I need to know more. So connection is the experience of what it means to be a Christian. We are one. Connection is the goal of what it means to be a Christian, as that we are working towards a connection with Christ and a life in Christ that is modeled in the father-to-son relationship. And connection is the witness of what it means to be a Christian. If you've ever wanted to witness to someone, think about John 17. If you ever wanted to tell someone about Jesus, be one with the people around you. Be one with the fellow believers. That's your witness. So that they may believe in the things that Jesus has told his followers, he tells them to get connected. Connection's the experience, connection's the goal, and connection is the witness. Is this making sense? So here's my question. As we move to the end, the, the question's pretty simple. I hope that you know what the next question's going to be. Are you connected? Are you connected? If connection is all those things, and the wisdom of iron sharpening iron is that we should be relational, and that in those relationships we find all this goodness, are you connected? That's a tough question. At some level, I want to say, yeah, of course we're all connected, right? We're here. We're here. We're sitting here. 
The reality is if we want to be a growing group of people, we need to be a connected group of people. But this is a hard reality to, to embrace right here, okay? There's a possibility that we could go through the majority of our life and experience the Christian life alone. But you think, but I'm here at a church service. Totally, I've come to church services where I don't talk to a lot of people. I've come in late and I've left a little bit early and I know like 90% of the people here and even I can come to church here and be alone. So if you're going to go through church that way, if you're going to experience the Christian life, maybe even here or maybe online or at home, wherever it is, but if you're going to experience what it means to be a Christian, but do it in a way where you're more alone than, than not, it's possible that you'll have trouble growing. Because remember, we grow in these higher virtues when we're connected to people. So it's possible but we might not be very growing people. Or perhaps I'll say this, perhaps you, you will be growing, right? But you'll grow maybe in odd ways. Maybe you'll grow in ways of, of thinking, my theology is like never before, right? My understanding of the Bible is like never before. I am just, I am rock solid in the things that I believe. But maybe you've forgotten how to be compassionate to people. Maybe your, the walls of your theology are higher and stronger than never before, but you've forgotten how to be compassionate to the lonely. That would be an odd way to grow. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can have both, right? I can have both. I can have the strongest theology possible, and I can be compassionate to the lonely. My question is, is simple. Are, are you both? Are you both? is one outweighing the other. There's no guilt, no judgment. Being connected and being compassionate to the lonely, kind to those who need kindness, generous to those who need generosity, is a good thing. It enriches our life and makes us more human. So don't hear me saying you should feel guilt and condemnation that you're not connected. You should hear me saying by being connected, we become more human. By being connected, we become more Christian. So it's not a guilt, it's an opportunity. It's an invitation into connection. It's an invitation into something that will feel so right, that will feel so good. Think just for a second about the disciples, because this kind of connection, right, caring for one another in this way is scary. It's totally scary. But think about the disciples, totally different people from different neighborhoods, different backgrounds, women, men, all with different worldviews, some of them zealots, some of them introverts. Think about, well, I, this is my favorite thing. You know Peter, of course, probably, if you've gone to church, you know Peter, right? Peter, you know that part in the Bible where he chops someone's ear off? I always like to think that, you know, okay, back, go back a little bit of time, right? The, they were in the Roman world, right? Did you even know what a Roman sword looks like? Right? It's not a shwoosy sword. I don't know. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a cut your steak kind of sword. It's a stabby sword. You know what I'm talking about? I like to think that, that many of the disciples didn't carry uh, like big, swor big swords you know, around. But instead, 
they just kind of grabbed what was lying around. And I, and I picture Peter just picking up a Roman sword, right? So you know that story in the Bible where he cuts someone's ear off? He was trying to stab the guy in the face. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's my opinion, but think about that for a second. They're getting attacked, and Peter's first thought is, I'm going to stab him in the face, right? Right. He misses. I don't know how you miss, and he just stabs the guy's ear off, right? Or maybe he stabbed him this way. Ooh, uh, uh. Um. But you got, you got that guy on your team, right? In that same story, there's another disciple who runs away naked. <laughs> Very different personalities, you know? One guy's like, stab him in the head. The other guy's like, ah, take my clothes off and run away. And then you move the story forward. They have no idea what to do. They're at someone's house eating. It's just like they're completely lost. Such different people. What does Jesus teach them to do? Wash each other's feet. That's a perfect visual, right? It's physical. Their feet were dirty. It's spiritual in that it's so intimate. It's metaphorical in that it's like take care of one another. It's beautiful. Wash each other's feet. And then he says, lay your life down for one another. That's connection. That's vulnerability. That's knowing each other. Care for one another. Practice the things that I have taught you. Teach others what I have taught you. And if I've taught you anything, it's to love each other. Love your neighbor. Be compassionate. Be kind. I have been hit in the face, Jesus says. And I've turned the other cheek. I've been beaten. I've been bruised. And I've only ever loved. So do those things to each other and you will be connected. But I get it. Doing that here today would be incredibly vulnerable. Don't worry, I'm not going to make anyone wash their feet. I know that everyone thinks that when I, you bring up foot washing. We're not going to do that. But doing those things here today would be vulnerable. It would be hard. Think about if we split into groups right now and said, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And I'm not just talking about, here's all the sins I've done. I want to get connected with people, so here's all the sins I've done. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, here's all the things that I think when no one is around. Here's all the things that I actually really want for my life, but I'm really afraid to tell people. Here's what it means to be me. Here's the things that I think about my grandkids and the things I wish for them and they're just not doing. Here's what the things I want for my future, and I just like don't know how to get there, and I need some encouragement. I need someone to be compassionate with me and tell me it's going to be okay. That's vulnerable. That's scary. But we are called to be that. We are called to be connected and vulnerable in that way. Let me give you a quote by C.S. Lewis, because I can't put it in any other, any better way than the way he talks about vulnerability. He says this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. 
To love is to be vulnerable. My encouragement, my thought for us today is simple. Let's be brave. Let's be brave in our vulnerability with one another. I know so many of us don't know each other. I'm not even really talking about those connections. But what I am talking about are the people that you do know. I hope that you know someone here. Be brave in that connection. If you don't know someone here, you probably know someone in your life. If you don't know anyone in your life, reach out to someone here. They've all heard this message here today. Let's be brave in our vulnerability. And you may be thinking, okay, well, what does that actually look like? Meet, talk to someone this week. Meet with someone this week. Connect with someone today. Meet with someone in the next month. Whatever it is, if there's that person that you love to hang out with and you connect with and you grab coffee, schedule it today. If you've got a group of buddies and you've been like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if we went on that golf trip? And every time you see each other, you're like, we're going to get it scheduled. Schedule it. If you hung out with a group of girls and you're like, girls night every day for like every week for like 10 years and then COVID happened and now you haven't met back up again, get it back up again. Start it back up. If there's that group that you've always wanted to go on a trip with, you're like, we, once we graduate college, we are going to Cabo, baby, right? Like, we're going to go. And then COVID hit and you haven't gone yet. Go, go. If there's that person that you love to talk about, right? And you guys get into like theology and you, you sit around and you debate things and you love doing that. Do it, do it. I hate one bit of advice. You, the person you hang out with for your whole life can't only be your spouse. Just want to throw that out there, right? I know what you're thinking. You're like, I'm super connected. Marie, me and her, 79 years. We're just the only person I ever talked to. Marie's going insane, okay? Just like give her a break, okay? You got to connect to other people, right? One person can give us a lot, but they can't give us everything. We need a lot. We have a lot of growing to do. If you put all that on one person, they're tired. <laughs> Give them a break. But when you get together, when you connect with people, it's not enough just to be there. Those relationships, yes, are the place which we become more human. They're the place where iron sharpens iron. But you have to take the step to be vulnerable. And it's as simple as this. Tell someone how you're really doing, how you're really feeling. Share with them the reality of what it means to be you. Open up the internal world. Do it. Don't miss the opportunity. Maybe the, the girl night, you get together and everyone's there. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to do this. Here's how I'm feeling. And when you open up like that, those are the opportunities for us to practice the higher virtues of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of God. And it's what Jesus has invited us into. Yes? Let me pray. Lord God, thank you for giving us the capacity to connect with one another. Lord God, thank you for connecting with us. God, you said you, you loved us first so that we can love. You gave us a picture of what it means to be connected, Lord. By being connected to you, we find freedom. We find life. God, I pray that everyone finds that connection. God, I pray that they find the connection to your followers 
and that by that connection, we become a witness of what it means to be compassionate, loving, caring. Thank you for this wisdom, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone.